Good morning. My, there are a lot of you. <laughs> That's uh, it's bittersweet for me. It's very encouraging, at the same time nerve-wracking. Uh, as was said, I'm filling in for Brother Josh this morning, so I appreciate your patience and kindness toward me. <laughs> and I also invite you to, uh, to get with me. And the reason I, I say that is, I am aspiring to, to do better in, in preaching God's Word and proclaiming it and presenting it in a way that's, that's understanding to all ages. Uh, so you would be my friend to come to me and let me know, not just, hey, Luke, good job, uh, that'd be great, but let me know where I can improve uh, because I do want to do better. And uh, as well, if I've said anything or am about to say anything this morning that is not in accordance with God's Word, I want to correct those things. Uh, it's my job to speak as the oracle of God. It's all of our jobs to speak of the oracles of God. So, so let's do that, and let's uh, let's try to do our best as we go out through our life to do that. You know, having kids or or family with kids, uh, or even friends with kids, we're often reminded of the fun game hide and seek. Uh, this little game always winds up having different levels of, of fun, though. Uh, when children start out hiding behind very obvious things in the house, and you have to pretend like you didn't see them. And then as, as it progresses, the hiding spots, they, they get better. The older they get, the, and also the more the rules seem to change. Do you remember that, that anticipation, though, waiting for that yell, ready or not? In our youth, we probably never really thought too in-depth about that phrase, ready or not. Uh, really, it was just part of the game, and quite possibly the best part of the game, because it was the hider's warning. Uh, the point when you should be settled into your dark, undiscoverable, uh, undiscoverable part of the house when, when you slowed your breathing and you held your mouth to cover your breath or cover your snicker. Uh, you know, you didn't move because you didn't want to be found. And if you weren't ready, you might not be in the best position. Uh, maybe you waited till the last second to get settled in. Uh, and while maybe you had a good spot, you weren't situated good enough to last. And of course, as, as we all know, that shelf or those clothes, those towels, the bed sheets, or whatever it was we were leaning against or hiding under, it's going to give us away when we, when we lose, our, or lose our place or balance or we slip up. It's because we weren't properly ready. So either we were ready or, or we were not ready to be sought out. I feel like with an audience as, as broad as we are in, in age, we can still understand the basic rules uh, and expectations in this game. The first rule being that that there is a seeker and that there are those being sought. Secondly, the seeker would come at a time whether you were ready or not. Third, if you weren't ready, you would certainly pay the consequence. So what does it mean to be ready? Well, it really depends uh, on on what we're talking about, doesn't it? I think we can all agree that in order to be ready for something, we must have had some sort of preparation. Uh, Whether that preparation was was thought, study, examination, a, a physical preparation, an emotional preparation, a financial preparation. The, the, the list goes on. All throughout the Bible, we see stories of, of those who either were or were not uh, ready to do what they were told. Stories of those uh, uh, who were prepared or were not prepared for whatever was coming. And every story has a similar outcome uh, and, and can help uh, teach us a lesson in readiness, especially through preparation. If you would, I want you to be turning to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. This morning I'd like to take a look at at some of these examples to us that that guide us through uh, both physical and spiritual preparations we should make as we 
as we ready ourselves uh, for God. The most obvious of stories to me when I think about preparing for something major is Noah. Uh, And and we're all familiar with the story, and we won't go into great depth or uh, detail regarding uh, the things of the ark and what was done, but rather an observation of of some of the preparation that Noah did uh, to do as God asked and the way God asked, and in order to be ready for what was coming. In context, this is Genesis chapter 6 and 7, but we're going to be reading in uh, 14 through 17 of chapter 6. Chapter 6, starting in verse 14. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. And its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above. And set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. So Noah was given some very specific detail in regards of how to build this ark. And the why is in verse 17 there. And we know that somewhere between the ages of 500 and 600, Noah built the ark. We see that in verse 22 where it says, uh, he did all that God commanded him. First and foremost... Uh, that was obedience, direct obedience to God's command. Not only is the primary fact existent that Noah did not defy God in this, but also that Noah made those exact preparations. He prepared for this flood, building this ark the exact way God desired him to build it. Noah didn't uh, build the ark when the rain started coming. No, he began as soon as God commanded him. He prepared for himself, his family, the beast and and fowls, this great ark to save them from this flood. And had Noah not built this ark, where do you suppose we would be? Non-existent. The preparation through obedience of one man saved the absolute obliteration of mankind. Noah was a great man. And he was a preacher of righteousness. We're told that in, in the New Testament. You don't have to turn there, but Second Peter 2.5 is the reference. But also as well here in, in Genesis 6.9, we're plainly told of his righteousness. And there's something to be said, not only of his physical preparation uh, of the ark, but preparation that would have existed in his heart to be obedient to God. And what we know is what we have in front of us in Scripture. And nowhere does it tell us that Noah complained or asked if he could use a different wood or a different size ark. That's just really too big, God. I need a different size ark. No, we don't see that. What we see is that he was ready and willing to accept exactly what the Lord told him. And there's times in our lives when when maybe we need to reassess our heart. Uh, and what I mean by that is to, to maybe think and meditate on opportunities we've had to do good uh, and maybe chose not to. A lot goes back to the heart. When we read verses in the Bible that talk about uh, readiness in regards to uh, reaction, it should tell us re- immediately that there was a pre-existent intent uh, in that individual, in ourselves, to do something before that opportunity was even there. And, and for example, one of my favorite to consider is, is a commonly used verse from uh, Acts 17 and verse 11. And it's posted up here for your convenience. Now these Jews were more noble than those in, in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And the King James Version uses readiness. The, the English Standard uses eagerness. And the Greek word, uh, prothumos, is 
literally means a willingness, a readiness, an eagerness. And the fact that they were uh, receiving something with all eagerness and willingness points us to an excitement, which means they had already been thinking about what was coming. They had already planned for what would be received as well as planned or prepared uh, what they were going to do with what they were given. This message in this case, they received ready. And that shows the heart and mindset to seek out the things in Scripture. So do you ever think about the readiness of your heart? Do we walk in a light of, of generosity, of kindness, willingness, eagerness, excited for opportunity? For uh, for years now, I've carried a two-gallon uh, gas can in the back of my truck. And I try to only use it when I absolutely have to for things around the house, maybe filling up the lawnmower or whatever. But I'll immediately go buy a gas station and fill it back up. And my intention in keeping that gas can is so that if I ever pass by somebody on the road that ran out of gas, I would have something that I could give them to maybe get them to the to the nearest gas station. And I've also kept a set of tire plugs uh, and, and tools in my truck as well. It's easy to plug a tire. Uh, and a lot of people don't know how to do that. And honestly, it's pretty cheap. Uh, and, and as far back as I can remember, I've, I've filled a car, a Jeep, and a moped. Uh, and all these I remember pretty specifically. The moped especially. I'm like, how did you run out of gas? You get like 100 miles of the gallon. Uh, but the guy did run out of gas. I filled it up to the brim with a two-gallon gas, gas can. Uh, so he was pretty happy about that. It cost me four bucks. Not a big deal. But in every single one of those conversations... That, that I had with those folks as I was filling up whatever I was filling up or plugging the tire of was, wow, no one else stopped to even ask or help. And that really gets to me. Uh, but but that, that statement alone, that's payment enough. Uh, I love to help. And furthermore, I love when I'm able to help. A readiness of heart doesn't have to be uh, limited to anything necessarily. A readiness of heart expresses just that, your heart. A desire to do what we can with the abilities that we are given. And, and I'm not trying to brag or boast or, or whatever, but I am, I am blessed. And I was blessed with a father who grew up uh, learning how to fix cars, work on houses and small motor equipment, electronics. And he taught me those things. And I'm really thankful for that. Because somewhere down the line, I'm able to help someone else. And every once in a while, it's nice to know what you're talking about. You don't have to stutter around. You can point them in the right direction pretty quickly. But it's the same effect, spiritually speaking. A readiness of heart can be by, by physical, uh, financial, emotional, or spiritual means, and, and maybe more than that. Let's look at a familiar parable in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, we're going to be looking at verses uh, 30 through 37. You almost had to expect that this was coming. But it's too good of a, of a parable not to look at. Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 37. Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Verse 33, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, 
He took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay when uh, repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, verse 37, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. And this story, once again, not looking at, at specific details and depth, but as a general overview, this Samaritan goes above and beyond the call. Look at what, what kind of heart is played out. We have this man stopping in the middle of his journey in a dangerous area. We have him somehow or likely maybe uh, using his own clothes, binding the wounds of this beaten man, using his own oils and his own wine to, to dress the wounds, which that would have cost him money somewhere along the way. He sets him on his own animal, now ready to walk this terrain by foot so that the wounded man could ride. He transports him to an inn. Uh, who knows if this would have been close uh, close by or even in the same direction as he was originally going, uh, now monetarily caring for the man as he pays the uh, innkeeper for used time and room. And then furthermore, offers to pay back anything in addition to those expenses. You know, if someone did that for you today, you'd probably think they're trying to sell you something. Uh, it would be a very unusual circumstance. We don't see that kind of sacrifice to others much, do we? And I'm not saying it's non-existent, but it is rare. So we should try and do what, what we can, be prepared to uh, in our hearts to help others along the way in whatever way we can. We saw with this Samaritan a physical side, a financial side, and most likely even an emotional level uh, with this wounded man being affected. So can we be ready to do these things? Of course. Uh, and should we? Absolutely. And at our own caution, of course. We understand there are abusers of others' generosity, but we can still be ready to help. And we see that uh, We see that in Ephesians 4.28. And, and again, you don't have to turn there, but in context, uh, it seems to be immediately condemning theft. But it also tells us we can be prepared financially to help others. And, the, and what I'm quoting from that is, that he may have something to share with anyone in need. That comes from Ephesians 4.28. So do you think this man would have done any of these things had his heart not had compassion? Had he not at some point prepared in his mind that he would be willing to stop and go through all this with someone he doesn't know? No, this is a man who loved his neighbor, which which was the original point Jesus was making with this story and answering the question of, of who is my neighbor. He had a heart of compassion. That's, that's an emotional means for even those he did not know. That goes back to a preparedness of heart. And the reward you gain and the opportunities you are given in helping others along the way will always outweigh the odds. And it's more blessed to give than to receive. We know that. That's a spiritual means. You, you ask my wife, every time we pass by a car on the side of the road, uh, she knows me well. I usually hear this quiet sigh and a, Go ahead and turn around. Uh, it gets to me. It really does. Uh, and, and I think we should, we should let it get to us when there's an opportunity with God's Word and we let it slip away because of inconvenience. No, that means I'm going to have to turn around and then we're going to get home later. Uh, or maybe it's negligence or maybe it's fear. Well, we don't know them. And they could be a dangerous person. That's very true. They could be. But if it's an obvious situation where you can help within relative nature to safety, 
I think it's a good thing to do. And that's how we need to look at it from a spiritual standpoint. It's a safe zone. We need to approach this person and have that talk. So what's in our heart and have we prepared our hearts to be ready and willing to help? Titus chapter 2 Uh, in verse 14, says that we should be zealous for good works. And chapter 3 and verse 1 says, ready for every good work. And in reference again, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 15, it furthermore helps us to understand a preparation in a a spiritual reference. Uh, ESV uses readiness, put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Again, Ephesians 6.15. So we see preparation and readiness in so many ways throughout the Bible. And we talk about it so often in reference to the coming of the Lord. And while, yes, that is impressively important for us to consider, the goal this morning is to help us reflect on some of the preparation we are making with the time we have right now. I found this quote from uh, from Abraham Lincoln, and actually this quote had a variety of uh, ways it was written, so I'm just going to go with one. But it said, if I had six hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend the first four sharpening the axe. You know what Abraham's point was? Is if he prepared his tool for the job, the job was going to be that much easier and faster. That's the point of that. It's called using your head. It's called logic. For there to be success in a plan, a plan must be put in place. And that plan is preparation. So at the beginning of the sermon, we went over some rules to the game hide-and-seek. And our first first rule was that there is a seeker, and there are those uh, or that being sought. There's a two-way road to look at this statement toward a spiritual application. The first road is the one we are on as individuals. In a way, we are all seekers. Our primary goal as a godly seeker is that found in Matthew 6.33. It says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And in our seeking toward the kingdom of God, we need a map. And the Bible is our map. I really like Seth's invitation about finding finding a treasure. When you seek, you want to find. Your goal is that you are looking uh, with excitement, that you are looking prepared to find something or someone. In our seeking toward godly things, we are most likely going to encounter one who has become lost. Uh, maybe even with their map. It's easy to lose your bearings when you take your eyes off the map too long. And sometimes it's our job uh, to help steer them the right way. That's part of the preparation, is a willingness to stop for a moment, sacrifice a little bit of our time uh, to point the right way. And also in that primary goal is that we aren't going to veer from our overall goal. Just because we've stopped to help someone else doesn't mean we've lost any footing. And if anything, we should feel closer to our goal after stopping because we may have helped a lost soul. Seeking requires an end result. Finding. In order to find, you must never stop seeking until that moment. Seeking the kingdom of God is a lifelong journey, guaranteed. But it will be the most rewarding lifelong journey we can ever take. Matthew 7, 7 assures us that as we seek in these godly things, we will find. The other road being taken is the fact that Jesus is seeking the loss as well. From Luke 19 and verse 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus is a seeker, and the lost are being sought. The Lord our God, being a patient God, not willing that any should perish, but that all should have eternal life. Let's look at uh, Luke 15 real quick. Luke 15, 1 through 7. 
We'll be reading Luke 15, 1 through 7, and as well, we're going to be looking at uh, 8 through 10 on a separate note. Now the tax collector, starting in verse 1, and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost." Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. We see a a similar story here in verses 8 through 10. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Did you ever stop and really think about what Jesus was saying here? Over one sinner that repents, there is much rejoicing. Have you ever thought that maybe at some point, the angels were rejoicing over you? You as an individual, when you corrected that way in your life, when you obeyed God, when you changed your heart, when you prepared and made ready yourself for Him in that repentance, angels rejoiced and your God and Father rejoiced. When you give your life to God, there's no longer a shame to be held inside of of the sins of your past. There's only a rejoicing for the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. So do not try to hide from your Father in heaven who exposes all things in secret. The rule number two we spoke of was the seeker will come at a time whether you are ready or not. This time we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Looking at verses 1 through 13 here for for our, our story and then our application. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flask of oil with their lamps. Verse 5, Now as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Verse 11, Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. In this parable, we see a contrast between the virgins who were prepared and those that were not. The fact that they made ready so that at the exact time there would be no delay was the reason they were able to meet the bridegroom at the time he came. And verse 13 is the kicker there for our point. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The pressure is put on us to be ready at all times. 
perpetually and without complacency to what has been up to this point. You know, thinking about the word complacency, it, it can be the devil's tool, really. And we often get in the rut and mindset of, of tomorrow is just another day. And that week after week is just week after week. And eventually, we give no thought to the fact that we expect, without a doubt, that tomorrow will be just another day. It's so easy for us to get that mindset uh, with anything because we have built an expectation based on previous experience or pattern. When that pattern changes, though, when it becomes impacted drastically, suddenly, without expectation or, or warning, then our mentality changes. All of a sudden, we refocus for a little while and tune in to the change, and, and we make preparations for the next time it could happen. It's a cycle, though, that repeats. And we should not be complacent to expectation. Uh, Danny McKibben recently gave a sermon referring, uh, referencing the rich fool in Luke chapter 12. Do you suppose that, that his expectations were, were that his life would end in such a manner? Or do you suppose to his expectation uh, was a pattern and experience that he had already uh, previously gone through? Success, it kept building, his barns were filled, and he needed to accommodate those, those reapings. His expectation was that it was going to keep coming as it always had. Self-satisfied with his reward, conceited and complacent to the fact that tomorrow would be exactly as today. And so that brings us to rule number three. If you weren't ready, you would certainly pay the consequence. The rich fool, his time came. And unfortunately, his heart was not right and he was not ready to hear what he heard. The consequence of his complacency, of his heart not being prepared, was death before expectation. Now, our modern day idea uh, of, of being ready for something, it gets pretty skewed, doesn't it? Almost daily, it seems like we're asking our families, are you ready? Are you ready to go? Let's go. The most humorous time, though, is, is when I hear, yeah, I'm ready to go. Hang on, i got to get my shoes. Were we really ready to go? It happened this morning. I'm sorry. It happened this morning. Uh, I said, are we, re- are we ready? I'm ready. I just need to. And that happens all the time without thinking about it. We're not really ready. I just need to clear this up. I'm, I'm ready. I just need to finish getting ready. It's oxymoronic, isn't it? And while we're simply used to that time uh, we have to finish getting ready, that's just not the case. When the Lord comes, when the seeker comes seeking, we should be fully ready. I'll tell you this, not because it has the best application, but mostly because it's, it's just really funny. But my wife and I were playing uh, hide and seek with the kids one afternoon. This was uh, in the last house we had. And it came my turn to count. And as I counted and shouted, ready or not, I started seeking. I went down the hallway, I checked, I checked the kids' rooms, I checked the bathroom, got all the way back to our bedroom. Now, there was something pretty obviously wrong in our bedroom. The big decorative pillows we had had grown toes and brown hair. (laughs) And not only that, they were pretty jiggly. And all I could say was, you've got to be kidding me. I then hear, is my hair showing? I I couldn't even reply. She put her head down. It's true. It's true, yeah. She was not very prepared. 
Now, spiritually speaking, spiritually speaking, we're not going to have a moment to say when the Lord comes, hang on, Lord, I just need to clear something up real quick. I just need to, I need to get down and pray real quick. Don't take me just yet. I'm not ready. Mark 13, 33. Be on guard. Keep awake. Alert. Be prepared. For you do not know when the time will come. Lord willing, tonight we're going to talk about the phrase, Here I come. I hope and pray that somewhere throughout this lesson, maybe we uncovered a bit of revelation for ourselves to consider the fact that maybe we have become complacent in preparation. And the question obviously set before us all is, are we ready or not? Here in just a moment, uh, Brother Derek's going to get up and sing our song of invitation. And my hope is, is that you're thinking about this phrase, am I ready or not? Because if this is my last moment, which very well could be, am I going to be the one that's trying to say, hang on, I knew what I was supposed to do, I knew I was supposed to get prepared, but I didn't. Will you wait just a moment for me to get prepared? All we know is that right now, that we have each each second that clicks by is the only time we have to get prepared for the next thing. So if there be any who have obeyed the word of the Lord, and maybe you've fallen away, you've let something uh, become complacent in your life, and maybe you haven't been adamantly searching and diligently seeking that which the Lord would have you to seek, we want to pray with you, and we want to pray for you to change that manner of thought, because we want you to be ready. We don't want you to be not ready. And those who have not become obedient to the word, again, this is the Lord's invitation. That you come to Him and that you prepare yourself for Him, for His coming. Prepare yourself so that you can have a home in heaven everlasting. That's what we're preparing for. This life, it's going to be gone. Very briefly, very soon. The Lord's going to come or we're going to pass away and we want to be ready for that moment. So if you've not been baptized, I pray that you use this time to your advantage in obedience, that you come to Him in repentance and baptism. Let's do that now as we have the opportunity while we stand and while we sing.